What if God is asking you to live at a higher level of participation in the growth of his kingdom? What if God is asking you to move into position to share the truth of his son, Jesus Christ, that has changed your life with those that do not know him? God declared that he and he alone will build his church. Jesus said, come and I'll make you fishers of men. And the Holy Spirit was promised to us to guide us in all truth. This morning we are talking about evangelism, preparing to fish. So we will not be talking about why haven't you done this, but we will be saying, come, learn, and prepare. Let's pray together. Father, this morning we look to you. We pray that you would stir our hearts, that you would set a fire ablaze in our lives, that we would share your word, that we cannot keep our mouths closed because it's so profound to our faith that we need to share this. God, we look to you this morning as we turn to your word, as we share testimony, as you begin to move us into position to build your kingdom. God, I pray that you would open our ears and prepare our hearts for your mighty movement as we prepare to share the good word of Jesus Christ. We pray this in the name of our Savior, Lord Jesus, amen. Evangelism is the scariest word in the church. 20 years ago, you bring your family to church. They would get up, dress all nice, put the suit and tie on. We would come to church as a family. Pastor would get up, he would preach that hell is hot, and if you don't know Jesus, you will be there, and people were afraid. Today, we understand hell, we understand sin, we don't understand evangelism. It's the scariest word in the church. Season, it scares seasoned veterans in the faith, it confuses new believers, and leaders declare it's not one of my gifts. People will say, well, the Lord, in the word of God, it says that he said some would be teachers, and some would be preachers, and some would be evangelists. Well, he didn't make any of those for me. I'm not one of them. Many of you would say here today, it's terrifying. It scares me. I feel unprepared to share. Where do I start? I know so much about God, but how do I, I break it down to share with people? That's the pastor's job. I don't have a partner to go. This was my favorite one. Someone actually told me this, and I wrote it down. I don't have a partner to go sharing with. Jesus said in his word that he sent them out by two, and I don't have a partner, so I can't go. So until God provides me a partner, I will share the Lord with, the, with other people, but I need a partner. I'm introverted, and I don't know any non-Christians. These are some of the things that people say when it comes to evangelism. Barna Research Group reported that when they conducted a survey asking evangelical Christians if they should share the gospel, 100%, 100% said yes. Then they followed that up with, when was the last, how many times have you shared the gospel in the last year? And 51% said they tried. They tried to share. There's a definite breakdown between knowing what you should do and knowing how to do it. And I really think this is not an obedience issue, but a training opportunity for the church. Pastor Rick took us through loyalty to the king, and at the end of that it says, go and make disciples of all nations, the go part. And many people, when they hear that word, go and make disciples, they get fearful. And they feel guilty because they don't know how to do it. And I don't think it's a... An, it's an obedience issue because over the last eight years I've been a pastor, there have been countless number, numbers of genuine followers of Christ, even people in this room that I'm meeting and growing a, a relationship with, strong believers in the faith that have shared with me knowledge of Scripture. 
They're doctrinal positions. They know theology. They know church leadership. They've been deacons. They've been a part of countless programs and initiatives. And many have shared with me that they have a fear and they don't know where to start when it comes to evangelism and sharing with the lost. If that's any of you in this room, put your hand up. Yeah, look around. A lot of us have this fear of like, where do I start? Where do I begin? And today, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about preparing to fish, getting ready to go into the community, into the neighborhood, into our families, to our children who don't know the Lord and prepare them to receive the king and to grow them in their, in their faith and in their discipleship walk. Our leadership here, we've gone through discipleship training. We've moved into loyalty to the king, what it is to love Jesus with all of our heart, soul, and strength, love our neighbor as ourself. And now we're just in that moment where it's time. It's time to say yes and prepare the congregation. It's time to cast the nets. It's time to go out. And we know that the number one reason why people don't share is because of fear. So let me tell you, there's an answer to that. Jesus is bigger than the fear. He's bigger than the things that are in your heart. We're going to talk about that a little bit today. But I just want you to know that together we're going to do this by God's glory and by his power and his strength. Let me tell you a great story. This is a great story that I have, and it talks about fear, and it's my fear story. So I'm a little sensitive about it, so bear with me. This year, when I came here about a month after I started, Pastor Steve sent out an email. He said, if any of you are available tomorrow, we are going fishing. Meet at 5.30 at the harbor, or the Whippy Harbor, the Whippy Docks, I don't know the name of it. Just come there if you're going fishing. He sent it out to all the pastors, and Pastor Rick was in meetings, and I don't think Pastor Kelvin was here, and Pastor Ken was away, and Dwayne responded like in eight seconds. It just popped up, and he's like, I'm in. And I'm like, oh, oh. Well, this would be a great opportunity for me to spend some, some time with Pastor Steve and Pastor Dwayne. So I, I wrote back, yeah, I want to go fishing. And it was a, I remember it was a Thursday because it was TMBL and that's my long day out and usually we, we teach and then go out for wings and I remember I was getting in late that night and I'm coming home and it's like midnight and my wife, I woke my wife up because I'm digging through my closet and she's like, what are you doing? I said, I'm going fishing in the morning and I don't know what to wear. What do you wear to go fishing? So I'm looking for clothes and I'm getting like, I got, I got work boots out. I'm like, work boots? I'm going to... So eventually I found clothes, and I set my clock, and we don't use alarm clocks in this day and age, we set our phones, so I set my phone, and I put it beside me at, to get up at 5 o'clock, and I laid down, and I thought, I'm going fishing, and I didn't sleep the rest of the night. <laughs> See, when I was little, I had one of those crazy uncles, we all have one, and if you're that guy, thank you, thank you. I had a crazy uncle that said, hey, you need to learn how to swim, it's one of those things that you'll need in life, so he threw me in the ocean. And I remember looking up and seeing the water and the sun, and I remember looking down and seeing the sand, and the next thing I remember was waking up on the beach. And for that whole time in my life, I've been terrified of the water. So the whole night when I was sleeping, or not sleeping, I kept thinking I'm going to die tomorrow. <laughs> I'm literally going to die. At least I have fishing clothes on. So I remember not sleeping, getting up, kissing my wife, and I, 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 I told her how much I loved her and how, how if I don't come back today, that keep preaching the word of God to our children. That is the most important thing. Train them in the word. She's like, what are you talking about? 
Pastor Dwayne shows up in his minivan, and he's there, and he's got a fishing rod and a tackle box, and he's not really talking because he's tired, and I've been up all night, and I'm shaking and worried, and, and he's driving, and we're getting there, and this is the first picture I see. So you can see in the picture, there's a little part of the boat. Like We're in the boat at this moment, and I'm like, man, that is so beautiful. Maybe this is going to be okay. Man, I got to just pull up my phone and take this picture. And then the only boat I've really ever been in is the Grand Manan Ferry, where you drive your car in, and you go on the ferry, or a canoe. So on both of those, you're like hand-powered. You're like, you're not going pretty fast. Pastor Steve's got a high-powered boat. We're, we're speeding. We're bouncing. And it's the boat is bouncing on the water, and I'm sitting in the back going. And all I kept thinking is, oh, we're going to hit this bump, and I'm done. I'm going to fall out the back, and it's going to be something from Jaws. I'm going to fall under the motor. And it was bumping and going, and he was driving, and I was scared and worried. And then we get out there, and he starts setting. He's setting the poles, and he's putting all the lines on. I'm just watching. I'm not doing anything. Praying, God, please don't let me die today. Please let me come back and see my babies. And then this is the next photo I see. I'm like, man. That moment, God just kind of just started to do something. I pulled up my, my, my phone, and Pastor Dwayne and Pastor Steve, they're talking up front, and, and I'm in the back, and this is one of the back things. We're trolling. I learned that new word. This is trolling, so I think that's right. Yep, I got the nod. We're trolling, and I'm in the back. Like, this is good. This is calm. This is like two miles per hour. This is good. And I take this picture, and I'm thinking, man, this is going to be a good day. And then the boat starts shaking. Actually, the rod starts shaking, and Pastor Steve yells, we're on! And I'm like, what? Where, what? What are we doing? And he's pulling down, he's pulling down poles, and I'm like, I'm just going to sit right here. I'm not going to do anything. He's like, Nick, this is for you. Get on there. And I literally picked up the pole and tried to pull it. Like, pull the fish in. He's like, reel. Use the, oh, yeah. And it's going, and there's a counter, and I'm like, what do these work? Uh, so I'm trying, and it's so hard, and eventually the fish jumps off the line. Pastor Steve looks at me, he's like, oh, get away, that happens. And I'm like, oh, man, I just let him down. I'm like, I just let him down. I don't know how to fish. Um, I'm going to die. I'm, I'm, I'm terrified right now. And he's setting the baits, big smile on his face. It's okay, that happens all the time. I'm like, oh, man, I just let my pastor down. <laughs> this is what I'm feeling. These are all the emotions that are going through my mind while, while I'm learning to fish. So we start driving a little bit more, like, going through, and then we're on again, and then it's Pastor Dwayne's, it's his turn. He grabs the rod, gets like his foot down, he's like reeling in the fish, and I'm like, all right, okay, he's got, he got a foot, and then he's, he's got the wheel, he's got an arc, he's doing this, and I'm like, all right, I got this. And then Pastor Steve says, Nick, drive the boat. And I'm like, what? Drive the boat? And he's like, oh, it's easy, you just, there's this little computer, and you follow the, the, follow the line, it must be in a, a pre-programmed path that he's gone before, and I'm way over here doing circles, and he's like, no, on the line, go back to the line. So, who drives the boat on the first day? That's what I'm thinking. So, Pastor Dwayne brings in his fish, and it's, it's amazing, and I'm like, oh, yes, we're done fishing. That's exactly what I thought. I thought, we caught a fish, it's time to go home. So I'm like, oh, man, that was great. I let Pastor Steve down. I'm fearful. I'm worried. <sighs> and then Pastor Steve starts driving, not back to the, the way we came, just out deeper. I can't see where we came from, and it's foggy on the other side. So I'm like, if I follow this boat, there's no way I'm coming back. There is no way, and someone better jump in. So then we're on again, and Pastor Steve's like, okay, Nick, it's your turn. 
So I grab it, and this time he's right beside me. He's like, I want you to lean back, right? When you feel the tension, lean back and then reel in. Lean back and reel in. He's like, you got this. I saw Pastor Dwayne get my stance in. I'm thinking this is going to take at least two, three minutes. Fifteen minutes later, I'm like, is it in yet? I'm tired. And he's like, oh, we got this. It's a big one. And I'm thinking, is it a whale? Like, (laughs) come on. So I know it's getting, because there's a counter, and it's getting less and less. So we're like two or three feet out. And he he jumps out and pulls out a net. I'm like, where'd that come from? And he's like, he gets down, and he's like, he's getting the fish in the water. And he's like, Nick, come on. Over here, pick up the fish. I have to touch it? <laughs> so I'm, I'm trying to get it up, and literally I had my foot wrapped around something because I thought, if I fall in, that fish is going to take me to its home. <laughs> like, it's just going to, like, he's mad because we just fought for 15 minutes. We're going on a, an adventure. So I'm, like, wrapping my leg around Dwayne and we're getting the fish, and then we get the fish up into the boat, and this is the picture we got. <laughs> so... And I'm right there with Pastor Steve. See how, that, see how I'm angled? Like, if it pulled, he would fall first. And then I would save him. If I needed to. I think he could not need saving. And here's the next picture. That was the first time I really caught a fish. There was one time that we went with the pastors and we were in like a small boat. And one kind of got on and then it got off. And we don't really know if it was on. But we counted it. But this is number two. So this is the real big fish that I had. So on reflection of that week or that day out, I didn't know how to begin. I didn't know how to cast. I didn't know how to reel the fish in. And when we caught the fish, what was I going to do with it? Was I going to bring it home to Laura? Look, look at this. Here, was Pastor Steve going to be like one of those shows like the, the, the tuna, wicked tuna? He was going to push a button and there's like a floor is going to open and there'll be an ice chest. I didn't know. I didn't know what we were going to do with that. I had low expectations, and I brought fear, doubt, and the thought that I was definitely going to die. I really thought that that morning. And I was very scared, and I didn't really want to learn how to fish. But Pastor Steve brought the boat, and he brought the rods, and he brought the bait, and he brought the gas, and he brought the knowledge, and he brought the confidence, and he brought the high expectations of catching, and he taught me how to fish, and I love it. We were driving the other day back from something, and I said, Pastor Steve, you got to teach me you got to take me out so I can buy my own rod. I want to get prepared. I want to get a rod. And he's like, oh, there's lots of kind of rods. You're going to need this rod and this rod. I'm like, yes, teach me. So I'm all jacked up right now. I'm not scared of the water too much because I still believe in the Lord Jesus and the resurrection of the dead. So if that does happen, I'm still going to be with Jesus. But he had high expectations. He knew the way. He could look at the area and know what to do. He led me and trained me. And even, he even let me drive the boat on the first day. And Pastor Steve let Dwayne and I share in the experience, even though he brought everything and he did all the work, and all I got to do was hold the fish and take a picture and show everybody, look what I really didn't do. (laughs) And that's just like God. It's the same with him. He sets the stage. He builds the church. He's working in the lives of people all over this world. It is his son that died on our behalf. He's doing the work. He invites us to be part of his story for his glory. He is leading. He is guiding. He is calling. And we get to be part of his great plan of redemption. And he doesn't need us to save people. He does the saving. But he allows us to come into the moment and see his glory. 
For some of us, one day, or, or maybe you've already done this, you've led someone to Jesus, and on that moment, you feel good. You, you tell your friend, or you call your pastor, or you tell somebody, like, I led someone to Jesus, and that's Jesus letting you be a part of his glory. And it's good, and it's fun. And today, we're talking about evangelism. It's time to train. I remember being trained to go out, share the gospel. I had this youth pastor, his name was Jamie Hall. And uh, I came into the church later on in life. He took me under his wing, and we, I was part of the youth group. And basically, I held a sign. Kids go to the sanctuary. Kids go to the gym. And that was my only job. But after youth group, I would go out in his blue Volkswagen Jetta that smelled like diesel all the time, and I was nauseous. We would go there, and he would always say, it's time to go to work after youth group. From 10 o'clock to like 2 o'clock in the morning, every Friday night, I would get in his car, and we would search through the city for people who were out. And I thought, man, this is great. I'm going to learn how to evangelize, man. Jamie's just going to really teach me. He's going to be like, Jesus, like, I'm going to come with me, and I'll teach you how to fish. No, Jamie just pulled to the side of the road and said, get out and go tell them about Jesus. Every time, he's just like, go. I'm like, what do I say? He's like, I don't know. Open your mouth, and Jesus will give you the words. He was that guy. We're not doing that to you. Okay, we're not going to do that. That was scary for me. And for months I had anxiety because I knew that every time we pulled over, I would see often in the distance, it always reminds me of the prodigal son off in the distance, the father was looking and they seen him coming back. That was me. Off in the distance was a man. And I knew Jamie was going to kick me out of the car to tell him about Jesus. So I would get scared. So I would prepare myself. I'd start to read things. And some of these little, uh, Little quotes gave me context. I remember writing them down. I went home and found an old computer to look them up because I remember using them. It said, evangelism is not a professional job for a few trained men, but instead the unrelenting responsibility of every person who belongs to the company of Jesus. I'm like, okay, so I'm not alone in this. It's everyone's responsibility. I'm just learning on my own because Jamie, I think, doesn't want to share. <laughs> Keith Green said, I'd rather have people hate me with the knowledge that I tried to save them. Charles G. Finney said, make it an object of constant study and daily reflection and prayer to learn how to deal with sinners so as to promote their conversion. This one hit me big. This is a huge one in my life. It's a daily thing that I do. I share with the young adults that I have a bag that I used to put my, I actually have it in my office. I used to put my books in when I'm going to Bible college. And then after I graduate, uh, graduated, I would used to put my laptop in it. And now it's just something I hang up as a reminder, is every time I go out the door, that's a bag of seeds that I get to use for Jesus' kingdom. That it doesn't matter where I'm going or who's in my path, I have a bag of seeds that I can share. And God uses those seeds in many different ways. Some days I get to share in the glory and lead people to Jesus. Other days I'm just praying for the girl at Walmart. Or, the per or, Marg at, or Marie at the Metro. She's in the lotto line. If you don't have lotto, you go to there. Every time I go in, I go right to her and I talk to her. I said, How's your day going? How long have you been working today? Your feet must be, I'm going to be praying for your feet today. And she's laughing her head off. Pray for my feet. My feet are sore. I bet you you're working, you're working really hard, aren't you? And I'd high five her and I'd say, I'm going to pray for you. Really? I'm going to pray for you. And every day when I go in there, and it's on my way to work, so I go in there a lot, I see her and I talk to her. Actually, I was sharing this this morning. One of the guys from the morning service came up and said, I know your hairdresser. I went to this new place and got my hair done and said I went to Calvary Baptist Church and he told me this morning, yeah, Pastor Nick goes to that church. Because every time I go get my hair cut, I teach and I share and I say something 
to her. And she told me that she actually lives in the backyard of our church where we park and it says seniors only on Sundays and then you go up the little steps. She lives on that street. She says, I often see people coming. I'm like, come to church. I'm not there yet. I'm like, you'll, you'll be, you'll be there. You let me know. We'll sit together. High five. It's making it an object of cons- consistent study and daily reflection and prayer to learn how to deal with people. Oswald Smith said, oh, my friends, we, have, we are loaded with countless church activities while the real work of the church, that of evangelizing and winning the lost, is almost entirely neglected. And I believe that's not an obedience thing, but it's a training thing. And we as your staff here and as your pastors want to equip you for the holistic ministry of God's kingdom. That if you are fearful and if there's a part of your life that you, you feel that is missing, you want to partner with you and train you because sharing God's word is amazing. Went to Bible college, I had this professor, and his name was Mike McNeil, and I signed up for a course that said Simple Evangelism. This is his book. And at this time, I've already been doing ministry for about a year, year and a half. I've led people to Jesus. I've began the discipleship process. And uh, he told me about, in this book, he told me the four lies of evangelism. And I knew the professor, when he said these lies, understood people. Because I understood these lies, and I believe them. And I believe that many here can relate to this. So bear with me. We're going to walk through four lies of evangelism. The first lie is sharing your faith is no fun. Sharing your faith is no fun. In fact, it's painful. It ranks right up there with going to the dentist, having your organs surgically removed, or being bit by a pit bull. These are all things people would choose rather than sharing their faith. They say it's no fun. I don't know what I'm going to, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to begin. And this is one of the lies that we we believe that it's no fun. What good can come out of going out and trying to tell somebody about Jesus? The second lie is you will be rejected for sure. When you mention Jesus, people will look at you as if you had three heads, spit on your shoes, and politely treat you as if you have the plague. You've got no business bothering them about your beliefs. And this is a culture that we live in that says, I can believe what I want to believe. It's good for you to believe in that, but you don't have to share that with me because I'm cool where I'm at. I've got this under control. And we believe that lie that so when we have the moment or the Holy Spirit is prompting us to share our faith or, or, or share something about God with people, we freeze up and we think that. I have no business telling them and, and they're going to reject me and I'm going to feel like a failure. The third lie is you don't have what it takes. Evangelism is a highly technical sales job involving hours of memorization, incredible people skills, and an aggressive personality. You'll say and do all the wrong things, so why don't you quit before everybody thinks that you're a failure? This is something we believe. You don't have what it takes. I'm not trained. I don't know how to begin. I don't know where to start. How do I start the conversation? How do I turn it spiritual? Those are some of the things that are out there that we believe. And the fourth lie is... You're on your own. You're on your own when you try to witness. No one else feels like you do. No one else is prompting. You don't see other teams of people going out and sharing their faith. When I go to work, I don't see people or I don't hear people talking about Jesus. I don't hear that in the culture. The only place I find that is at church. I'm on my own. And you know what? I think God's pretty ticked at me. 
because he's in heaven wondering why I haven't obeyed his memo of go and make disciples. He has his pink slip in his hand. And many in the church, we feel guilt and we feel, we feel all these extra things put on us because we're not sharing. And when the pastor gets up and says, go and make disciples, you think, I don't know how to do that. And yeah, I'm glad that verse is in the Bible about the evangelists because those people are going to do it. And we have this guilt heaped upon us and God wants to say, I want to take that off of you. I want to learn. I want you to come and I'll make you a fisher of men. That's why he said that, because there's a process. So how do we get over these lies? Well, we tell you the truth. There are four truths that come up with this. And number one is sharing your faith is an adventure. Sharing your faith is an adventure. I want to show you this shirt. So it says, got Christ. I'm just going to set that right there. Sharing your faith is an adventure. The guy that taught me simple evangelism, Mike McNeil, actually hired me to be on the college teams for preparing students, first and second year students, to go on mission trips. And one of the trips we went to was New York City. So we got down there, we're staying, we got all the group. And sometimes when you're a leader of a mission tour, and Dwayne's here, he would understand. Some days when we get up, we're like, we don't have to do very much. Today we're going to get this person to say their testimony, this person's going to play some music, this person's going to do some stuff, and we're going to just sit back and coach. And that was the kind of day I was having. Long drive in, not lots of sleep, got up the next day, big smile on my face. It's going to be a great day because you guys are doing all the work. So we got in, we were going to a church, they were actually going, we were sitting in on a conference, the conference was called the Great, uh, Great Commission Conference, Operation Spiritual Thunder. When you have a title like that, you know something's happening. Operation Spiritual Thunder. So we're like, bringing the, I'm bringing the group in. I'm like, down front, boys, girls, down front. We always sit up front. So we go right down the front, and we're talking about the guys up there. He says, today, today, Operation Thunder. And there'd be like thunder in the background. I'm like, this is exciting. Well, I, don't know, I don't know what you're thinking, but this is great. He says, 100 pastors on a hunt. On 100 street corners, for one hour, are going to preach the word of God. To the, we're going to reach deep into the darkness, and we're going to bring the light. And I'm like, yes, hallelujah. Hear this. Listen, 100 pastors. He's calling up names. They're all coming up to the front, cheering. Operation Thunder. And then I hear, Pastor Nick Doyle, please come to the stage. What? One of the students is like, yeah, he said your name. I'm like, he couldn't have said my name. Like, he doesn't know me. Pastor, they're waiting. Pastor Nick Doyle, Nick Doyle, Pastor Nick Doyle, come to the stage. So I'm like, how you doing, son? Woo! Here you go. He gives me a milk carton full of tracks and a bullhorn and an envelope. He says, you're going to be on 106 and 38. Yes! What am I supposed to do? Preach the gospel. 100 pastors on 100 street corners for the next hour. And all my students are down front like, yeah, Pastor Nick, you can do this. I'm like, no, I can't. I'm scared. I'm fearful. So I look at my page, and I'm going out the door, and I'm walking. And I'm following the directions. I had a little map. I get up there. There was, a, there was a mosque on one side and a Jehovah Witness church on the other. And I was in the middle, and I said, this is not funny. <laughs> and I'm by myself. And I oh, flashbacks to Jamie. Get out. Get out of the car. <laughs> I'm sitting there, and for like the first 20 minutes, I didn't say anything. I'm just praying silently, like rocking back and forth like that child guy, like terrified. And then I see this lady walking into the middle of the road. She's staggering. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. 
I go and I grab her and bring her over and ask her if she's okay. And she says, no, a lot of stuff was going on in her life. We sat down on the curb. I shared the gospel with her. I prayed with her. And I couldn't leave her there. And I didn't know where to go, so I brought her back to the church. I walked into the church. There's a women's group right there. Right as soon as you walked in, and you women are like that. You just like, you see a need, you just go after it. You're bringing someone in. They're like, get out of the way. I got this. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. She comes in, and she takes the lady, and they go into the room, and they're praying for her and get her cleaned up. And we're all high-fiving each other. Yeah, man, 100, 100 pastors on a street corner, Operation Thunder. And a car, a car blew up right beside us in New York City. And the FBI, or the cops, or the police with their, their vests, they shut that block down in like five minutes. And we were nervous. We're like, I've never heard an explosion like that. Like I remember sitting there, and the, the windows were like shaking. We're sitting there and we don't know what to do. And then this pastor begins to sing Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wrench like me. And it's just that they're starting, then other pastors are like, yeah, this is, this is for Jesus. Amazing Grace. And they started to sing. And then the college students jumped in. And then we walked up, we're in Hell's Kitchen. And we walk all the way up and there's a big party going on. And all the pastors just joined into the party. And we began to sing. And that day when I got up, I thought, this is going to be an easy day. I'm just going to say, do your testimony, play some music, you're awesome, and look what God did. Sharing your faith is an adventure, and God has plans for us. Number two, I'm going to move this. Most people will listen to you and even show interest in the gospel. This is the truth. People are hungry for truth. People are hungry to hear about Jesus. Because we believe the first set of lies, we think they're not. 90% of people will let you pray for them. They'll, if you ask somebody, can I pray for you, majority of them will say yes. They'll say yes. Some people will reject you, but that's okay because it's, as, as Christians, we just pray for them anyways. We just walk over here and we just pray. <laughs> Maybe we don't get to touch them or lay hands on them or talk to them, but we go off, we write their names down, you know what I'm saying, and we pray for them. Most people will let you pray. And most people will listen. The third truth is this. You've got exactly what it takes. You've got Jesus. And your job is not to sell him, but to share him. And that simply means to verbalize what you know about him in your mind and how you feel about him in your heart. It's not hard to talk about someone you love. It's natural. If you ask me a question, can you tell me about Laura? I said, yes. You want to go for a coffee? This could take a while. Because I know my wife, I know what she likes, I know her needs, because she's a part of me, and I love her so much. And that's the same with Jesus. Because of the lie, we feel, I don't know what to say. I don't know where to start. I don't have a memorization script that I need. I need to say this, that, that leads to this, that leads to this. No. Where you're at, God will use you with the things that you know about him. Every situation is different. Every time you begin a conversation with somebody, it's different. Even here today, Pastor Kelvin just felt this morning that there was a heavy burden here and that people were going through things. Not every person here today is going through the same thing. But we all need Jesus, amen? We all need his strength. We, know, we all need a call out to him. So all the things that we go through are different, but we always go to the same source, amen? That's right, we're always going back to the same source because he is the king and he is the truth and he is the way. 
You've got exactly what it takes. And the fourth thing is you're working with God, and hallelujah. I just have to say that word, hallelujah. Because every day when we get up and we begin to share, I always remember I'm working with God, and I am not on my own. Evangelism is not something you do on your own. Evangelism is being God's human assistant. He's already at work in people's hearts and lives, and evangelism is his plan, not the church's, not ours. It's God's plan. He wants, us, he wants to use us to put a human face on the message. He'll be with you every step of the way. So work with him, and he will work through you. That is truth. I remember being in situations where people are pouring out their lives, and I'm literally thinking, I have no clue what to say. I have, do you know what I'm talking about? There are people in this room who have shared their faith and sharing things, and they're, they're pouring out stuff, and you're, you're silently praying, God, if you don't come through with this, I'm going to be in trouble because I do not know what to say. And then when they're done, you just open your mouth and things happen. And at the end, you're praying for them. And you walk away, and it's like, what just happened? Hallelujah, I'm working with Jesus. Because I don't know what just happened. And I'm not talking about you're having this out-of-the-body moment thing. I'm talking about you depended on God at that moment, and he came through. And you just related to them and helped them in some way. Maybe you're here this morning and you're dealing with things like that. So I don't know what you're going through, but God does, and he uses everything that we do. Maybe you walked in today and someone prayed for you. Maybe you walked in today and you're feeling alone. Maybe you're sitting there. God knows that. He thinks. He sees. He knows. You're working with God. And this is the truth. Peter the fisherman that's how I love to look at him, since we're talking about fish and fishing. Peter the fisherman was told by his brother Andrew that they found the Messiah. Peter then left his job and followed Jesus. He saw Christ feed the poor, heal the sick, and raise the dead. Peter himself, he got to walk on water. And he even had a moment where he declared Jesus was Lord in front of everybody. And then a little bit after that, when confronted about being one of his disciples, he replied, I am not. Three times he said, I am not. I am not one of his disciples. Peter yelled in the face of a servant girl, I am not. I love this story. Not that he denied Christ, but because of the Easter story that Pastor Rick has had taught us a few weeks ago, Peter was one of the first people run into the grave. He was one of the first ones there. Peter got to share breakfast with Jesus when he said, if you love me, you'll, feel my, you'll feed my sheep. And later on in one of the letters that he wrote, he wrote this. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always, prepare, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. I love this part. But do this with gentleness and respect. He screamed, in the, he screamed in the face of a servant girl, I am not a disciple. And then later on, writes that. Set Christ, set Christ apart and be prepared. Do it with gentleness and respect. What was the difference? He had hope. He had hope. He understood what hope was. He set Christ apart as Lord in his life. He says, you are Lord, I am not. I'm coming under you knowing that you have the best plan, that I don't have the best plan. I'm putting you at the forefront so that I may follow. And when he wrote this, he wrote it to us who would be listening to it today. And, he said, and it's for us as well to set Christ apart as Lord. 
And he says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone. That means be available. Be on call. Be on mission for the Lord Jesus Christ. Getting yourself ready to the point where you're crying out, God, use me today. As I go and get gas, use me. As I grab a coffee, use me. As I walk into church on a Sunday morning, I pray that you would use me. Maybe it's to sit beside one. Maybe it's to pray for someone. Maybe it's to pray for my pastors, my leadership team, and my deacons. I pray, God, that you would use me because I want to be prepared. I want to be on mission. Why? Because we have hope. We have hope. We understand the great price that was paid for us so that we could live. We have hope. We understand that Jesus Christ gave his life up for us. We have hope. We understand that he died in our place, setting us free from condemnation, setting us free to live a life of hope. We have hope. You understand the gift is free and it's free to receive because we have hope. And anyone who confesses with their mouth Jesus is Lord and believes in their heart they will be raised, that he was raised from the dead will be saved. And this is the hope that we claim on to every day. It's the hope that keeps us in place as we walk, as we feel like we're on a boat and we're bouncing. And at any moment we could fall. It's hope that we grasp onto. It's the hope of Christ that sets us forth. So today, there are three different types of people in this room. Three types of people. The first group are those who have heard this message and are shaking their heads and they can relate. They can relate to what we're saying. They love Jesus. If you love Jesus, put your hand up. Amen. Look at that. Woo! It's good to say that sometimes. Woo! Put your hand up. You love Jesus. You know scripture, right? Amen. You do. You know God, you know scripture, but honestly, if you were to go and talk to someone right now about Jesus Christ and share them and try to lead them to Christ, you'd feel unprepared. Anybody in the room like that? Yeah, look it around. Yeah, it's true. It's the truth. Fearful when it comes time to share. How many of you don't know what to say to start the conversation? Yeah. Some of you have seen the lies of evangelism and say, yeah, I, I can relate to those. I can believe a few of those. I believed all four of them. Even in Bible college, yeah, I see you, sir. I'm, I'm the same way. I believe the lies about evangelism. Well, we have an answer for you. You put your hand up, there's an answer. There's a solution. Came to church today and there's an answer for you. Jesus is the first answer. The second answer is your leadership here believe in you and believe that God is going to train up leaders for the harvest so we got a course for you. On this, down here, we have a pamphlet that you can get at the end of the service. And you can sign up with Pastor Kelvin and the other people that are in the hallway for an evangelism course. And Pastor Kelvin and I, we went last month. And this guy who was bringing it was bringing it. I was so stoked. I just wanted to get out and walk back home. Where was it at? Wherever that was. It was far away. And I wanted to walk back home and talk to all the people about Jesus because I was so fired up. He was bringing the truth. He was teaching people easy things to do, how to begin the conversation. And we have an answer for you. You need to sign up for that course. It's going to be here at Calvary Baptist Church. You don't even have to travel. You just come to your home. Come to church and you will learn. You sign up for the course. It's called the Christian Witness. What is it called? It's called the Christian Life and Witness Class. And it's going on in May. You can sign up today. You can come and you can be prepared. 
to share the good news. Who are you going to share it with? Well, maybe it's your child that doesn't know the Lord. Or maybe it's a parent or a relative. Maybe it's someone in your work. Maybe it's in the fall when we gather some teams together and hit our community. Maybe you'll be part of that team. It's time to get prepared. So there's an answer. At the end of the service, you can come down, grab one of these, sign up in the, sign up. We're all going. You can sit with, we'll save you a seat. It'll be great. We'll sit together, we'll learn together, we'll train together, and we'll share the goodness of God together. So that's one group. The second group are those who are already on fire for Jesus. They know how to share the gospel. You get up every day, you're like, yeah, who can I, I share, share the good news with? Who can I go with? Well, we got a class for you. It's the same class, but it's an advanced one. We want you to be part of a team at the Air Canada Center in September that will be part of when Franklin Graham preaches the word of God and it's going to be awesome. People's lives will change. They will come forward. You'll be part of that team that shares the gospel, shares the follow-up, connects them to a church, and is part of the discipleship process for them. If that's you, you come and let Kelvin, you let me know, let Pastor, you know what? You can let anybody on our staff, pastoral staff, know we all have the same vision. We will connect you. We'll get you there. And even if you take the course and you're just like, I'm just new at this and I'm fired up, you can still be part of that team. It'll be awesome. Kelvin's shaking his head. He's got the okay. We're going to do that. And the last group of people here is maybe you're the person that walked into church this morning. Heavy burden, heavy laden. Things going on in your life. You feel that there's no hope. How am I going to get out of this situation? Will there ever be any light? Here in this morning, we're talking about those who confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in their heart that he was raised from the dead will be saved. And you're thinking, I've never, I've never done that. I know the stories, but I've never done that. If that's you today, why don't you throw your hand up? We'll pray with you at the end of the service. And just As we pray, we'll include you in the prayer. Those who confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe that He was raised from the dead will be saved. If that's you today, I want you to slip your hand up. We had a few this morning. Okay? One. Yep. Okay. God has a great mission, He has a great plan, and it includes us. He doesn't need us to save people, He's going to do that, but He needs us to be out there. He needs us to be prepared and be in, to be on mission, to work with Him. Because he has some goals in mind. He's got some truth that's going to go forward. And he wants to use you. And he wants to use me. It's a time to be prepared. It's a time to share the truth. Jesus said, go and make disciples. Now it's a time to get trained so that you can go. We're going to do this together as a church, leading forward. It's going to be a good time. Let's pray together. Father, we just thank you for this morning. We thank you that we are able to journey along with what you're doing. Not running ahead, but taking you by the hand. We're following you. You're the Lord of our life. We understand the discipleship model. We understand the loyalty to the king, and now we're moving into preparing to reap the harvest. God, today, together we were nodding and, and knowing and agreeing that we need to prepare. And God, you have set that up here. So God, I pray for those who are feeling like they're not prepared, that they would sign up for this course and they would, they would get on board as we travel together, as you use the people. And for God, and God, I pray for those who are on fire that are doing it every day. I pray that you continue to encourage them. 
that you would bring more and more people into their, into their life, that they can pray for them and share your good news with them. And for this morning, the, the people that raised their hand, you know who they are, who have never confessed with their mouth that Jesus is Lord, never believed in their heart that you've raised them from the dead, that you will take away their sin and give them a new life, God, I pray for them today. I pray that they walked in here one way and they're leaving in a new way, a redeemed way because of your great love and your great sacrifice on the cross. I thank you. God, I pray that you would help them, get them to sign up for this course and we'll train them. Help them to connect to one of the pastors here and one of the discipleship groups because they're not alone. We'll walk with them, we'll train them, and we'll follow you. God, we thank you for this day. We pray in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Count Nicholas Zinzendorf said this, I have but one passion. It is he and it is, it is he alone. The world is the field and the field is the world and henceforth that country shall be my home where I can be most used in winning souls for Christ. This morning we ask, will you prepare with us to reach our families, to reach our children, to reach our workplaces and our communities and may Oshawa be the field that we begin in and reach out to the ends of the world. If you want to respond, please come after and pick up a Pick up a pamphlet, sign up for the course, and if you've given your life to Jesus Christ this morning, please connect with us. We want to talk for you, with you for a moment. Have a great day. God bless.